Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. When you were going to church as a kid. Sure. Uh, Army brat is a term of endearment uh, for those of us that grew up in military uh, families where our, our mothers or fathers served in the armed forces. And my, my father is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he graduated from West Point in 1969. I was born in 1976. I have an older brother who also went to West Point. Um, and so, you know, that's growing up, the, the military life is you, you transition every two to three years to a new duty assignment. And so we've lived in a lot of different places, lived couple of tours in Europe, uh, as well as the United States. And so growing up for me was a lot of change and being able to adapt to new environments. And so, um, you know, from a school perspective, I was in a different school my fifth grade year, which was in Germany, transitioned back to the United States for a sixth grade year. And then you obviously change out elementary for junior high. So I had a different school my seventh grade, different school, eighth grade. We moved, so I went to a new school in the ninth grade. And then finally, we, my dad got assigned to the Pentagon, so I went to a new school, you know, in the 10th grade. And that's, I was there for the, for the next three years and graduated uh, Northern Virginia out of high school. So, you know, the, the pros are you learn um, how to adapt and have an appreciation, a deep appreciation and respect for uh, those that have served our country in the armed forces. Um, you roll with the punches and you deal with change and you're adaptable. Some of the downsides are, you know, when people talk about roots and home, you know, what, what, where is home? Yeah. Where is home? Um, <laughs> and that's a question that I've often, you know, I don't know how to answer that when people ask, you know, where, where'd you grow up? And the location of where I grew up is all over, you know, some places in Europe, some places in the United States. Um, and so being an army brat was a, was a very, uh, interesting experience, but it's one that I believe that, you know, God was, was using very early on to shape me as a disciple. You know, God is moving in our lives way before we're consciously aware of his, um, his hand. And I think me being born into my family was all part of his plan on how he was going to shape, obviously my family, but also, also me in that context. You sound like a wandering Gentile. <laughs> Very much so. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head, and apparently neither does Jed Robine. Exactly. So you, I remember hearing some stories about you in church, and I can imagine you must have been a handful. So tell me what your church experience was like. And also, when did you first really get to know the Lord? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my parents are strong believers, um, and so we would often go to uh, some post chapels that were on base when we were growing up. And these were, you know, kind of general non-denominational Protestant um, experiences. And I was going and I heard all of the stories, you know, Sunday school, flannel board Jesus, right? <laughs> um, the Old Testament stories of David and Goliath and Moses. And, you know, at a very typical, I would say, um, kind of general upbringing in the church. I was interested in friends and hanging out and goofing off. And so, you know, I'd get rebuked on a regular basis uh, for being a cut up. It's like me in um, Hebrew school, basically, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. You're just a kid and, and you're just wanting to be with your buddies. And, okay, you're going to teach me a little bit about Jesus along the way. That's great. 
Um, I really got serious about my faith. I came because I came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit when I was 15. Um, and I'll never forget that. Um, he really, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to convict of sin. Um, and he did in my life. And I realized that I was a liar. Uh, I had a foul mouth. Um, I was actually a shoplifter. I was doing some things and making some decisions that were hurting people, including myself. And the Holy Spirit really, I was at a, it was leaving a summer camp actually when, when I was in the backseat of a car and just really come on, came under the conviction and said, you know, Lord, if this is real, I, I repent for the sin that I've lived and uh, asked him to forgive me. And that's when I believe there was a turning point in my faith journey. Um, I was still young, obviously 15. So high school, I was still going to youth group, uh, went to a Christian college. I went to Taylor University. And I was always, always been one that is a questioner and a searcher. Mm -hmm. I don't take what people say at face value. I, I like to dig and ponder and think through mm -hmm. um, truth and seek it out and hold mystery very highly, actually, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I was going through my uh, journey as a, as a college student, I was very inquisitive and was pushing back on some of the conservative Christian mm -hmm. ethic because I didn't understand it. I didn't see some of the things that, that they were saying, you know, we can't dance. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't see that in the scripture necessarily. <laughs> and, you know, well, you can't drink. And I'm like, well, but, you know, the Bible says don't be drunk. I agree there, but, you know, there's nothing that says you can't drink. And so I was exploring some of the, um, what is the truth? Yeah. And, and looking at scripture that way. So. Um, but that's kind of in that process, um, faith was about, um, I believed it. Mm -hmm. I knew God was real. I knew he loved me. I knew he had forgiven me. I had some doubts about my own, my own abilities, you know, I was insecure. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, of, uh, refining that God did mm -hmm. in my heart and character over those years as well. But that's really when, um, mm -hmm. You know, it became real for me, and and it wasn't my parents' faith that was handed down. I had to fight to make it my own, and and had my own experiences with God. Right, genuine. Well, you sound a little bit like me because I did the same thing. I was questioning, right, and sort of this this journey of who's this person, Jesus, and some similarities there. You're coming at it from a Christian raised in church, but still having these questions about who is this God, who is this person of Jesus. And I'm coming from a Jewish perspective with really the same questions. Who is this person, Jesus? <laughs> exactly. So now you have your own family. You're married. And I understand you're coming up on a 22-year anniversary. That's right. It'll be in May. Uh, married my, uh, my sweetheart from college. We met at junior year. I got married the same week and we graduated actually in 1998 in May. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this May will be 22 years. We have two great kids. Uh, my son, Gavin, he'll be turning 21 in May. And my daughter, Karen, will be 19 here next month. Mm -hmm. So they're great. And uh, they're still living at home and working. And uh, both are, are involved in businesses. So, uh, yeah, I love my family and, and really have learned a lot through being a husband and being a father. It's been a, a massive uh, discipleship mm -hmm. shaping tool that the Lord's used to mold me over the years. And you've been in ministry. You're bivocational. I know you're working as a manager at a Chick-fil-A restaurant, but you're bivocational. So you've been doing ministry work for a long time. Actually, your background, your degree is in 
What was your degree in? Remind me again. It was in... Uh, my undergrad was in psychology. Okay. And so I spent some time as a counselor when I first got out of college, uh, counseling troubled, troubled youth. Uh, and then I got my master's degree in student affairs. So it's a master's in education. And I really have a heart for the development and identity of college students that okay. they would grow in their, in their spiritual journey. So I did that for a few years before the Lord really called us abroad yeah. uh, and ended up really going into the prayer movement and being involved in several houses of prayer in the United States. Uh, we were involved in a house of prayer in Jerusalem mm -hmm. and we planted a house of prayer ultimately in, in England. Um, and so there was a lot of opportunities to teach and preach um, and build build relationship and do some discipleship and ministry over those, that stretch of years. Yeah, you've been bivocational um, now for how many years then? Um, well, I came when I came back from England. Um, we ended up coming back to Cincinnati, and I was involved in uh, the marketplace. I was uh, some friends of mine had started a video production studio, and I came on as a producer and an account manager for a few years, which really helped me understand mm -hmm. storytelling. And the Bible, actually, God gave it to us as a story. And right. I really started to understand scripture at, a new, at another level when I considered God as an author, mm -hmm. um, which was amazing. And uh, uh, I've, so I've been preaching and teaching. I've done a little bit of that uh, video work and producing uh, videos, doing that storytelling. Um, and then I am currently, I'm the general manager of a Chick-fil-A. I've been doing that for, I'm in my fourth year. Uh, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And mm -hmm. the man who owns the Chick-fil-A is my old youth pastor. Uh -huh. uh, and so we got connected after all these years. He saw some posts of mine. I was on a preaching tour in Canada and we were, it was called the Loving God Blessing Israel Tour. And I was one of the speakers in, mm -hmm. in, in ministry and was posting some things on Facebook. And Tim happened to see some posts and he was in his own discipleship journey. The Holy Spirit had been teaching him about the restoration of Israel. So mm -hmm. he was provoked by some of the things that I was involved with. And he said, Hey, I need to talk to you. So he reached out. I hadn't talked to him in 20 years wow. and we reconnected. I heard what, what was going on in his own heart uh, as a pastor and as a Chick-fil-A operator. And so we reconnected and he invited us down to do some ministry engagements in the greater Fredericksburg and Richmond, mm -hmm. Washington, DC area. And on the heels of that tour ending, he reached out to me and said, Hey, I've been praying and think maybe we could do some work together in Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife, Nicole, and I prayed about that and really sensed that it was a door the Lord was opening. And so that's how we landed in Chick-fil-A. Yeah. You mentioned Israel. Now, I understand your first time in Israel, you were about nine years old. So what, what was that experience like for you? Uh, very formative. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it was 1986. I was nine. Um, and, you know, when you grow up as a military, you know, brat, a lot of people ask you, what's the, what's your favorite place you've ever been? And I would always say Israel. Mm -hmm. Number one, I love history. I love military history. I love biblical history. I love history in general. And hard to find a place that has more history than <laughs> Israel. And so I was fascinated as a little boy going there and loved the, the, the tour we were a part of. My, my parents had decided to do it with the church that we were involved in at Germany at the time. Mm -hmm. And so we left in November um, and, you know, I was just taking in all the sites and we all got baptized in the Jordan River. And I remember that, but I didn't attach any spiritual significance to it. Really, I was too young to appreciate mm -hmm. it. It was many, many years later, 20 years later. In fact, I was at a conference out in Colorado, a, a Christian conference. 
and I just was having an encounter in worship. I just started to, to cry and it was mm. unusual. Uh, here I am weeping and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why am I crying so much? Where is this coming from? Lord, mm. I know you're doing something. And there was a song that was playing over me. It was called Let the, Let the River Flow. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to this music and it's touching me and I know it's the Lord. And it just takes me back to this memory of being baptized in the Jordan River. Mm. And I had not really thought about that. But um, when, when he did that, it, it you know, comes back to that idea that he's working on us long before we're conscious that he is. Mm-hmm. And I realized that he doesn't do this with everyone. Like there's something he was putting in my heart at a very young age of admiration and respect and a connection with ultimately, you know, we asked that question, where's home? Right. Well, our home ultimately is the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're all on a journey to the new Jerusalem ultimately. Right. And I think at a very young, in a very young way, in a very young heart, that connection was made when I was being baptized and I'm in that experience and God's been building on that over mm-hmm. the, the last few decades. And we learned something interesting about each other that I, I was nine. I remember we, the story when I was in Jerusalem, exactly. yeah. uh, 1977, during the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Lord really uh, did something spiritually that, of course, at the time I had no clue about, uh, but that many years later, actually fairly recently, discovered the significance of that. So God's working in the background. But here, something we both share, that at nine, we both had this very life-changing experience that years later would actually come more to fruition. So I wanted to um, ask you a little bit about, you went back to Israel. You and your wife actually lived there for about six months. So so now what was your experience like going back? Going back? Yeah. Um, it, was, it was rich. Um, you know, I mentioned I was, a, I was involved in student development I was a resident director for a few years in a Christian college up in Michigan uh, called Calvin College. When that uh, finished, we ended up moving to Cincinnati. And where we ended up renting our home, we got, in, we got involved with the community that was involved in the Cincinnati House of Prayer. Hmm. And some of those leaders heard my heart, and, and I had been reading the scriptures, and I was just provoked to start studying Israel and God's heart for Israel. And I just had always sensed he has a plan for the Jewish people. I, I, I never really, in all my years growing up in the church, I wasn't explicitly taught uh, supersessionism or replacement mm-hmm. theology. Um, I just had an instinct that God, God's not done. You know, he has a plan for the, for the Jewish people. Um, so they, you know, I was talking to some of the leaders and they said, well, hey, don't you know, Jed, that the, there's a Messianic synagogue? The first Messianic synagogue in America actually was right around the corner mm-hmm. called Beth Messiah. You should go check it out. And I said, What? Uh, wait, there's Jews that believe in Jesus? And he said, yeah, they're, they've been, you know, this has been a movement since the, the late 60s, and they worship. And I said, these are Jews that love Jesus, and they worship as Jews. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, I have to go check this out. And so I went in, and uh, the, the leader there is a man named Michael Wolf. Rabbi, Rabbi Wolf is an amazing man of God, and, and his wife, Rachel. We walked in, and... I don't know if you've ever had this experience when, you know, it feels like the sermon is just for you mm-hmm. and you're being touched by the spirit of God mm-hmm. with truth and with just tenderness. Mm-hmm. And when my wife and I, and my kids walked in there, it was just like, wow, this, this Holy spirit is really moving here. And it really touched us. Mm-hmm. And we just decided let's, let's just 
come alongside this experience. So for two years, we really attended Beth Messiah. And it was in that that journey that we ended up moving and joining the House of Prayer down in in uh, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And it was that leader of that House of Prayer, a man named Kirk Bennett, who heard our heart for Israel. And he had some connections with Sukkot Hillel, yeah. which is led by Rick and Patty Ridings in Jerusalem. And he said, I, I really think God's got a calling on your life for Israel. Let me yeah. make this connection. We go in 2007 uh, to just visit uh, Israel and we meet Rick and Patty. And our, our plan at the time was let's lead a young adult group from America. Let's nine months spend discipleship in America, three months in Israel kind of a mm-hmm. thing. Well, we get over there and Rick and Patty are praying for us. And they're like, man, we really feel like uh, God does have a plan for you. We want you to come to Israel. So in 2008, we prayed, we obviously we prayed about it and, and had a sense that this is what the Lord's will was for our life. Mm-hmm. We packed up and moved in, in May of 2008 uh, to go to Israel. And um, it was hard and rich. Mm. Um, the intensity of Jerusalem, you know, this is, it is intense. Uh, the spiritual intensity yes. of what's happening in the Middle East in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the culture is intense. Yes, it is. I, I like it. Um, I like the just a robust blending of a lot of cultures from all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so many Jewish people have moved back to Israel from so many different countries, and they're bringing a lot of their experiences with them. And it's yes. just a, a very colorful, vibrant culture. Yes. I love that. I love the food. I love the land. I love the history. Um, and I love praying, looking at Mount Zion and praying for the return of the Lord is mm-hmm. something that's just really moving to go to the Western wall and put your hands on those stones and pray. Mm. Um, it was just a very spiritually powerful season in our lives. And again, the Lord was just putting a lot of, um, a lot of seeds into our hearts mm-hmm. over that time. So another commonality, a name from the past, Kirk Bennett, who I actually spoken to on the phone. I was introduced to his teaching through another pastor in South Carolina. It handed me a CD of his. I was at a prayer gathering at Moravian Falls. Wow. And he hands me the CD. He says, you got to listen to Kirk Bennett. And so I'm driving back through North Carolina listening to Kirk Bennett. The topic was, why Israel? Oh, great. Question mark. And he spends an hour, I mean, really does an amazing job making that case, biblical case for why Israel matters to the church. And I liked it so much. I actually called him and I said, Hey, can I put this on my website? And so it's been on, it had been on my website for, for years. So another, another uh, connection from the past, but um, mm. tell me about you're living in Israel and um, where were you staying actually? Where, how did you, you know, you were there for how many, six months, I think. And yes. So we went, we had a year visa, actually. We were one of the rare ones that got one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were planning on staying there and I had sensed, this was the kind of the sense that I had in my heart from the Lord, go and get ready to live the rest of your life. Like leave everything, you know, and go, Okay. but be ready to leave in six months. If I tell you to get out, <laughs> Okay. you know, and I understood what, what I, what I feel like the Lord was saying is, you know, you, if you, if I call you somewhere, you got to be willing to die, Yeah. but it's not dependent on you. You know, Israel doesn't need Jed. Okay. Israel needs Yeshua. <laughs> Yes. Right. So, you know, it's not about you. If it, it, go where I tell you to go, 
when I tell you to go there. And if you're there right. for the rest of your life, be prepared. But if I tell you to leave in six months, then, okay. then leave. So where were you living then? Where where were you staying? In we were in Jerusalem. We were in a, in a little district called Arnona. Okay. And so we were about a 10-minute walk from where the House of Prayer was located at the time. It's since, since moved, but uh, we were leading a short-term staff program and a summer internship program there. And okay. we were just taking, taking the young adults around to different teachers and experience points in the land of Israel. Did you get a chance to interact with a lot of Israelis while you were there? I think that was kind of where I wanted to go with the question, because a lot of times I see when I lived there, I mean, I, there were Christian groups that came in all the time, but they often stayed in their own little Christian communities or their Christian tour groups. Tell me if you had an experience as interacting with the local Jewish population. Yeah, I would say most of my experience would have been with believers. Okay. Um. Uh, obviously, we were leading some watches in the House of Prayer. We were responsible for doing some teachings and trainings for the for the groups that we were leading. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously, having a family there, a lot of our other time was just spent as a family. But so, not a lot of interaction with just you know common Israelis, other than when you're out on the street, and you go to the market, right. or you're in stores, or you're down in New Jerusalem shopping, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you engage people in conversation along the way. So, tell me when the. You know, you said Israel kind of grabbed your heart, you know, the history and everything else about it, the vibrancy. But tell me when you felt that that connection to the Jewish people. That's kind of where I was digging with this question. Um, I think the reality of uh, actually a, a messianic leader said it very, very well. I heard him speaking. His name is Ofer. Um, and he said, you know, speaking to Gentiles, he was teaching in a Gentile context. And he said, um, I hear a lot of Gentiles say that they feel like second-class citizens, and I've never understood that as a, as a Jewish believer. You know, I look at it, you know, God not only gave his only son, but he blinded his firstborn so that the gospel would, would go out to every family and every nation. And I think that's, when you ask that question, where's that connection come? I think it comes from a sense of um, appreciation and an indebtedness to a people that were called by God, they've stewarded the the scriptures mm-hmm. for all of humanity. Yeah, um, they've carried um, covenants. They've gone through so much suffering mm-hmm. for the name for bearing the very name of God that I've just I've realized I was not looking for God, and He, in His mercy, mm-hmm. found me. Mm. And when you go to the Western Wall, for example, and you see Jewish people crying out for Messiah mm-hmm. and they haven't seen him yet, but I see, I've seen him yes. and I've, I'm walking with them. There's a sense of connection that we're, we all need him, mm-hmm. whether we're Jew or Gentile, male, female, slave or free. Mm-hmm. The solution to all of our problem is Jesus. It's him. Amen. And we all need to find him. And it will actually we don't choose him, right? He chooses us. He chooses us. And so I, I think I just have a desire to see his, uh, his Jewish brethren and, and sisters come home to the God of Israel. Amen. Well, that is a powerful story and just a snap, snapshot, really, of your life in less than 30 minutes. But there's more to the story. And so... Let's go ahead and end uh, this podcast here, and we are going to pick up in the next episode. We're going to actually take this to the next level of Jed's life and story, his experience, tell you a little bit more about some of his 
other ministry work, especially his time in England. So join us next time on the Podcast Commission. If you've enjoyed this podcast from Commission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray 